have a very special friend, someone that in some ways was one of the reasons we started this podcast. Carl Callens, welcome to the show. How are you? Very good, actually. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for joining us. So appreciate Desi as well as Thomas for making the introduction. Carl, give some context to the listeners on who you are. My name is Carl, founder and CEO at, uh, at QMIO. Um, QMIO is a, a SaaS company, actually a building block for adding dashboards to any web software and typically dashboards that are customer facing. Right now, today, dashboards are actually a commodity. Customers are expecting them to be in software. It doesn't really make sense to build them on your own. You could use a building block like ours to add them to your platform. My background, living in Belgium, always have been working since the beginning of my career in business intelligence, data visualization, analytics. And then in 2015, I founded Cumulio because I, there must be a better way to do this in a cloud-first, API-first way. Three kids, and I like playing soccer. I won't remind you of what ended up happening in the World Cup when it comes to soccer, but maybe in a few years. <laughs> still learn, learn about the founding story through Thomas, and I would encourage everyone to go back to the first episode and listen. I'm curious, out of the two co-founders you had, who was the harder one to convince to join? It's two different stories. I think in, with Harun, Harun was the first one, so I started Chumlaio with Harun in 2015, and Thomas joined a year later. I think in the beginning, Harun and I had to convince each other. We were both working in consulting services for larger corporates, mainly banks, insurance companies, but also governmental agencies. And we had the idea of what we're doing here can be done in a way different way. And what, what happened is we had many friends in mid-market companies saying, okay, what you guys are doing for these larger corporates is there a way we could do it for our company? And beginning, the first time somebody asks you, it's like, okay, you know something about computers, can you fix my printer? The 20th or the 30th time when you get that, you're, you start thinking, okay, there might be something in this. This market is underserved. How can we approach that? I think Harun and I at, at similar moments in time had the same idea. It was more on, okay, we're working for the same company. What is the best way to approach each other to say, let's quit and start our own company? It was a different story with Harun. With Thomas, he joined mainly in terms of to do business development and to, to grow the company. Uh, it was convincing him that what, what we had built was worth pursuing and stopping his, his good career at Google and taking some risk. All three of us, we all took different risks. When I started, well, I was a manager for Belgium, Portugal, and France in consulting services. Good money, two kids, mortgage, and a wife saying, are you sure? I think for Thomas was, okay, same story, Google, good money. Do I want to take the risk for excitement or do I play a safe bet? So I was more convincing him of the fact that we really had something to work for and to make it big. What, was there an aha moment that you're like, okay, this makes sense for me to like it, the, it, you know, the juice is worth squeezing, meaning the risk is worth it. I think it was really about hearing it for the X amount of time. Is there something out there? And then knowing that we had all the skills that it needed to build it out. It was just the time it would take and whether we would be able to survive a bootstrap period because we were actually entering an existing market that was just served in a different way. We couldn't go out there with a subpar product. So we knew that it would take some time to build it out. And then yeah, looking at your bank account and saying, okay, how much time do we have? It's the old fashioned way, which has just become sexy again. I've learned at a few companies I've worked at, once you have users, people are like, hey, I want to 
you know, get a little more reporting. I want to get more usage. I want to get, you know, and then I've seen two different methods. People actually build it, which takes time, right? Or the other method is they try jigsaw puzzling something where, you know, like you kind of do the dashboards externally and then just send the report to the, you know, the customer, which is manual. Why does it take so long? Why is it like such a hard challenge to, you know, solve? I think it's because it requires different skills. Your customers are asking for something that they need. It's your account managers, your customer success managers, maybe your product manager that knows what they really need and how you can influence their decision and help them. But if you look in in terms of the implementation, it's a whole different and more technical story. It's about data collection. It's about how to model that data so that it's easy on on reporting. How are we going to expose it in a good XUI way? And so it requires a different type of skills that are often never to be found in one person and requires teams to to work together. What you then often see is, okay, if we're going to build it ourselves, we want to look at extensibility and then often the trap they enter into is, okay, let's first make sure that, uh, let's say our data lake is ready. Then we know that we can do whatever query that we want on top of it. And then only at the last time, we'll look at our end customers. The end customers are actually the most important thing in the beginning. So everything that you can already give while you're building out your app or your platform, it just makes more sense to do it quick than trying to do it in a one-stop way because it's never a one-stop way. They'll see some some metrics and then they'll say, hey, this is interesting. Do you also have X, Y, Z? And then the whole story starts again. And the fact that once you've built it, it often requires maintenance, updating, because expectations of people just changed over the years. Every SaaS app is dealing with B2C expectations, even if they're in a B2B environment. It just needs to be very easy to use and nice looking and having business value. And finding all of that and making data useful and interesting to consume is often hard. The thing that we start to look into is, okay, how do we make this accessible to all? How do we make this accessible to people who don't necessarily have the technical skills to make this happen. And that that was one of the reasons of of starting Cumulio. You shouldn't need a one-week data analysis training to get started. Everybody should have access to data-driven decision-making. 100%. I'm fast-forwarding now. When I started my career, the biggest thing everybody was talking about was big data. Last year, it was NFTs or Web3, right? This year, it seems to be AI, right? Talk to me a little bit about the influence or impact AI you think is going to have in your industry? I think it's clear that AI will have a big impact everywhere and also in data analysis. I do see it as as a welcome gift in the sense that if you look at when I started my career in 2007, um, everybody was talking about big data, big data in the bigger corporates. And so what they started to do is harness data, data collection, very seldom. And so then we went and and you actually can follow the hype cycle around that in data-driven decision-making or big data. At a certain point in time, they started making dashboards. And then it was sometimes vanity. And after a while, it was already, okay, no, we're actually making our decisions by looking at our data and following what we actually see happening. We're now up to a moment where data collection is easy. Dashboards are almost everywhere. Uh, and so you risk ending up in a situation where in the beginning you had information overload, you will now have dashboard overload. 
And AI can help with that in a way that it could help into assessing your situation, you as a person, you in your context, you with your business values, and identify and, and, and present you with scenarios that could help you in your decision making. And so you wouldn't need to look at 10 dashboards, but it would present you an option. This is actually interesting to look into. The downside of AI, if it's only a black box, people start doubting into it. And even if it's very convincing, like ChatGPT is convincing in everything that it does, but is the answer always right? No. There's clear examples of false information, of uh, completely wrong answers, but it doesn't mean that ChatGPT has no words. If you look at the analytics, it can analyze your situation, present you with, hey, this is something I identified that I think at this moment for you specifically is valuable to look into. And hey, this is the information on which I'm basing myself. And, and in a visual way, it presents you on, okay, you should invest more, let's say, in ads. We see a good correlation in the ad spent in your revenue. Well, then it helps people make easy decisions, like you say, that you like, but also it helps them to argument against their peers why they're doing it, because it's presenting the information in an easy, digestible when it comes to data, and I'm just talking about a go-to-market perspective, when the anecdotes, the things you hear in the front lines don't match up with what's going on with data, like this happens all the time, right? And I love asking folks that are in the front lines that are, let's call it experts in this, professionals, why is that? On one hand, data never lies, but data doesn't always tell the whole story. So it's important to, to keep two sides of the story. What you often see is that uh, the data can be correct, but can be incomplete. On the other hand, you could also have recency bias, or you have confirmation, or it's about poor collection of data. So either can be wrong. What mostly happens and what is always a good idea is it calls for a discussion. From the data I'm seeing, it's dwindling down, but you're actually seeing that you're closing more. Okay, why is that? Is that just because the last three days you were closing more? Is that because you have the feeling that in your pipeline, there is a number of deals that will be closing? Okay, well, let's analyze. Do we see changes in conversion? Are we already looking at conversion? And so it could be that by adding more data and more data collection that you get to a more clear and a complete side of the story. That said, it doesn't always make sense to put in all the investment of having all data available to make your decision if you have to do it in a very quick way. So you'll always need to be pragmatic in how you approach it. Data can help, but people should still be able to make decisions with some uncertainty in there. Don't overthink it, just make it, you know? If it takes five, 10 minutes, otherwise you're gonna go crazy. We love to end every show with one question we love to ask everybody, which if you could go back to any time, what's one piece of advice you would give your younger self? I'm pretty happy where I am. And so anything you would change in history probably will alter the path where you end up in. So you might not learn an important lesson, make mistakes in a later step. When we started, Tyrone and I, we were too really looking at it from an engineering perspective. And because of the fact that we were good at our job and what we do, we started building just cool stuff. I think we did it a little bit too long in the sense that we actually lost some time in bringing extra value for our customers. If I would change something, it's build our product team a little bit earlier, one year or one year and a half earlier than, than we had done. It doesn't make sense to do it if you're only five, but when you're at least 20, you should have a dedicated product person. And maybe a second thing is 
our name. And nobody is able to pronounce it in a good way. How did you get started? Uh, when we started, we needed a name to create our company. And we literally had, I think, two to three hours. And so we started brainstorming, okay, what do we do? We aggregate data to accumulate it. We do it in a, in a cloud-first way. Well, you have Cumulus clouds, so Cumul. And then, of course, IO, input, output. Back in the days, that was still very hipster to do. And so, hence, Cumul IO. But then we started saying Cumul IO. And yeah, people, of course, said, well, is it Cumul? Is it Cumul.io? And then even internally in the company, people are saying it in different ways. So luckily, we're just a building block. There, There's no brand outside when you integrate it. That's something I would change. Thanks for sharing. Carl, thanks so much for coming on the show. I just want to thank Thomas and Desi for the intro setting this up. And I want to thank you as well as your team for being a good friend over the years. So appreciate you for everybody listening. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks. It was lovely being here.